1: On the AM 740 Garden
2: Show with Charlie Dobbin
3: and uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Good morning, one and all. Hi, Charlie.
2: Good morning, Franklin. Well, hey, it's my a, most favorite undergardener. Well, thank you. Don't of the thousands
3: point. of undergardeners you have in your employ, <laughs> I really appreciate the that. help. There you go. You know, I, when we came in, I thought, "Holy cow! It's it's not a very good looking day." And I'm kind of sorry for the people heading off uh, up uh, on the Elvis bus. On the bus. Just saw it leaving in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. With Normie Edwards aboard, and, mm-hmm. and uh, because it would look like it was going to rain, and all of a sudden I look out and look, blue sky, blue sky. sun crowbarring its way through those clouds. <laughs> so it's going to be a good day.
2: Well, it might be, it's dry here yeah. down near the mm-hmm. lake where I came from, yep. north of here. Blue it wet. was wet. Okay. So maybe they'll get through that wet and up into some dry because they're going up to Collingwood, right? Yes, exactly. It's, Elf, it's Elvis. Day. Elvis, oh, Elvis oh, weekend. Hey,
3: oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, I've come into the building. Uh, anyway. We have uh, lots of fun here. But you and, those
2: people who are on the bus. They're going to wish they were here, <laughs> having their Elvis. Exactly. Elvis in the garden.
3: Exact them uh my little job here, and it is a little little job. Little job. Yes, I've been relegated to the under 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 gardener. Uh, give out the phone numbers, Frank. Okay, uh, that's a big sign flashing from the control room. There, James Patrick Dooley, give me the word here. Four one six. As in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Our mantra, of course, call early, call often. One question per call, okay? And I police that very, very heavily. Uh, oh, yeah, and if you're a first-time caller, let, uh, let James know, and we'll have some wind chimes that will welcome you to the show. That's there right. you are, Charlie.
2: Yes, that's that getting your wings. Yes. Because you're officially a member of the, the Garden Show fan club. Uh, okay, what's going on? Well, to let's remember, this weekend... Or is it today? I guess it's today. Remember we we spoke with Wanda last week? Uh, Whistling Gardens. Don't make me start laughing. (laughs) All right. Just because I'm not 100% organized, I'm only 99% organized. Wanda... Heimbecker from yes. Whistling Gardens, which is in Wilsonville, just south of Brantford, mm-hmm. spoke with us last week yes. about the big annual garden party going on today oh, yes. at Whistling Gardens. Yeah. Yeah. So, there, you know, there's food, there's entertainment, there's garden tours, there's, um, you know, it's a party. So, you know, dress, dress for the garden. And, uh, yeah, so I hope that's going well. And don't forget, if you're in that area, swing by and say hello. It is a
3: wonderful –
2: Oh, excellent. I won't be wanting to see that, but uh, have fun. Uh, Okay, and then tomorrow, the Greater Toronto Water Garden and Hort Society is offering an amazing water garden tour. It's all through Richmond Hill and Thornhill. These are real water gardeners. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is not just some little birdbath with a a little pump uh, twirling around in it. This is, or, you know, any of that sort of... Small scale stuff. These, every one of these garden, every one of these properties has a minimum of one, if not three actual installed serious water gardens
3: wow we're talking Mm.
2: waterfalls we're talking streams we're talking ponds great way to get
3: ideas for your own backyard that's right
2: and just and just to be there there goes the bus just to Uh, be
3: there just taking off Uh,
2: okay you know just be around the sound of water and the plants and of course then there's the birds and the bugs and it's just beautiful to be around uh and you'll wish that you had that same kind of water garden at your place Tickets are only $12 to see and experience some of these gardens. And for more information, go to onwatergarden.com. Now, I mentioned last week, terrific Thursdays at the Toronto Botanical Garden. I Mm -hmm. suggested that you go there, and you should go there. Take your children or grandchildren. There are kids' activities. Again, garden tours, great food, farmer's market, live music, Fun place to be every Thursday evening. uh, Starts about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, runs through till dark. Toronto Botanical Gardens, of course, corner of Leslie and Lawrence. For more information, torontobotanicalgarden.ca. And I neglected to warn everybody, but some of you will already know this. Buffalo, and we've talked about this in the past, Buffalo has the biggest most huge garden, um, open garden tour actually in the world. Well, it's the biggest in North America. It probably is the largest in the world. It's over 400 gardens. And this weekend is the big weekend. Wow. Um, so yeah. many, many celebrations going on. It's called Garden Walk Buffalo. It's the 20th anniversary this, this year. There's a whole slate of concerts, gallery exhibitions, guided bus tours, a scavenger hunt, open gardens throughout Buffalo, Niagara, and the city turns green at night. So... We've got a lot
3: of listeners too. That's
2: right. So tons going on. There's a food truck rodeo. There's the Buffalo Philharmonic Garden Walk Celebration Concert mm-hmm. tonight. So for more information, of course, go to www.buffalo-niagragardening.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: that's a pretty full slate of activities there, my uh, friend.
2: No, you know, yeah. gardeners just never stop. <laughs> if they're not in the garden, then they're celebrating garden And
3: talking about gardening. <laughs> that's what we do here at AM 740 Zoomer Radio. And we're going to be back with some of our listeners who are already lined up to talk to Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show. Back in a moment.
4: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams.
1: you picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
3: And the very little under-undergardener, the sushi of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming, hey, Ruth from Thornhill, who's...
1: Come on, everyone.
3: Oh, hello. <laughs> what the heck was that? It wasn't Ruth, I'm sure. Hey, good morning, Ruth. Hi. I'm glad you got through this week.
2: Good morning. Yes, thank
5: you. You know, before I even ask you my question, I have to tell you, you the pair of you are just great. I listen to you every Saturday.
3: Oh, thank you. And I am not
5: even a gardener. I really <laughs> am not a gardener, but I enjoy your program. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. And I'm not Thanks. new to the program either because I used to call about my um, orchids, mm-hmm. and I finally gave up on them, Charlie. So no. I don't buy them anymore. No. My problem is, yes. about eight years ago, somebody gave me a very tiny plant. Mm -hmm. All it is is large, large stems. At the time, they were smaller, and they have little thorns all the way up, and they only bloom on the top. And on the top, they have little leaves that are sort of Mm oval-shaped, and on the extreme top of these branches, there are little flowers, little pink flowers that grow out of a very thin stem.
2: Okay, so you know what what I think that is? The common name of that plant is called Crown of Thorns. Crown of Thorns. Yep. If I look that up, I'll get you the proper name and you can... uh, Do you have access to the internet? Yes. Okay. So if you Google Crown of Thorns and then go to images, you will, I believe, find your plant. It's great. It's a lovely plant. Lots of sun. Don't water it. (laughs) Well, you know what? I've replanted it three times. Oh, because it keeps getting bigger? growing very quickly. Wow, good for you. Well, yeah. See, the thing that can happen, it can get really tall and spindly. And if that happens, then it gets top-heavy, and then, you're right, it becomes a big deal. It has a very small root system, and it is a cactus. By those thorns, you know it is a Mm -hmm. cactus. It gets the little leaves on top. And if it's it's getting enough light, because you want to have it... Do you have, like, a western or a southern window?
5: I... I had the sun all morning.
2: Okay, so you face east. And have you got that plant right in the window? Yes. Perfect. And keep it there. Yeah, <laughs> it, okay. Um, you know what but I'm saying. But I
5: water it every week. Is that all
2: right? I wouldn't necessarily water it every week. I have a couple of them that are in the southern window, and I water them when the soil is bone dry. Okay, I got you. Okay, so it is a euphorbia, so E U P H. O-R-B, as in Bob, I-A. Poinsettia is also a euphorbia. It's anything that you break in the white. You get that white sap. It's like a latex. Ah. That's the... Uh,
3: Charlie just brought up some images uh, yeah, on, the, uh, showing on the net here. And it's Frank, terrific. Frank, pretty see, looking. Black. Yeah, so yeah. you
2: see what it looks like. when It's got lots of leaves. Mm-hmm. This is more... See this picture? That's what uh, we're hearing from Ruth. That's what hers oh, is. See the stem with has, the thorns? It has a
5: bunch of leaves on top, but yep. nothing on the stems. Just the thorns.
2: Yeah well that's right and you typically will just have thorns on the top but you see this is one that uh you know has very few leaves it's just a question of the happiness of the plant um, and the amount of water but bottom line feel the soil make sure it's bone dry between waterings when you do water water thoroughly so the water will drain through the soil into the saucer below let the water sit there for 10 or 15 minutes if there's still water in the saucer dump it out at that point right on and remember to turn the plant you know, know that 180 degrees. A every friend of
5: mine who comes from the Philippines said that that is a very lucky plant. It wards off mm-hmm. bad. Good. the
2: thorns. Excellent. I'm going to have thinking. that wear it around my neck. little feng shui. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's dry. Thank you so much. It's I don't wear it to bed.
3: Oh, delightful talking see. to you, Ruth. Your
2: call, Ruth. Please keep up the good work. All
3: righty. Thank you. Thank you for the encouraging words.
2: <laughs> yes, it is a bit tough to keep up the good work sometimes. Well, sometimes, yes. Person I person who keeps trying to take the show over. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I
3: do not. Oh, well, <laughs> Jerry is on the line from Toronto. Good morning, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Hello,
6: Jerry. I'm calling about fertilizing.
0: Uh-huh.
6: Now, I have two plants. One is a geranium, which I bought at the corner uh, variety store, but they sell it, all these little plants during the start of the summer, mm-hmm. and my Boston fern, mm-hmm. which is about five years old. Okay. Now, I got this fertilizer, which I bought about 10 years ago. It's 20, 30, 20, whatever that means. <laughs> okay. And uh, it says for houseplants, three and a half Scoops per four liters of water. Okay. Now, this scoop is the smallest thing you'd ever want to see. <laughs> okay. You could probably fill 10 scoops to fill one teaspoon.
2: Oh, well, most fertilizer is pretty concentrated, but so three and a half scoops. So it's maybe a, a quarter of a teaspoon kind of scoop you've got there?
6: I guess it would be that if you even that. Yeah,
2: okay. And going into what was that, three liters of water? Yeah. Right. So, okay, follow the directions. Because those directions are correct. If you're going to err on something, err by putting too little fertilizer rather than too much. And your geranium would love that fertilizer. And the Boston fern would be perfectly happy with it as well. Have you used any fertilizer on the Boston fern at all? I have
6: never used fertilizer, and it's doing great.
2: Oh, good. Well, there you go. So there's a good reason, again, to don't – you don't want to (laughs) over-fertilize, you know – like I say air too much
3: on, of a good thing and a good thing sometimes,
2: well exactly yeah. it 's like vitamins for us right mm-hmm. if you I'm just wondering if these
6: instructions are accurate because a scoop is
2: so small <laughs> it 's thimble sized and smaller trust me it 's accurate that 's a concentrated fertilizer that you 've got, and you 've got to dilute it, so you scoop out your three and a half whatever that may be you could you know. Take three and a half, put them into a teaspoon, see what you end up with, and know yeah. that that's your amount per three liters. And uh, mix that all up with some room temperature water that's preferably been sitting out overnight. And uh, water the Boston fern and the geranium thoroughly. They will very much appreciate that uh, fertilizer. Well, I'm going to
6: have a lot of that water left over again. Does that mean I fertilize it every time I use it?
2: Um, for, well, what, what I would do is you're, you're right, you're going to have some left over because three liters is more than you need for those two plants. Absolutely. So if you have anything outside, that you would like a little bit of no, fertilizer. No, that's got, like that, Charlie. Nope. okay. Then just hold on to that jug of water till it's next time time to fertilize. You could add a little water at that time to just to dilute a bit because you will have there will have been some evaporation, uh, and then just water again. And uh, whether it's two or three watering times until it's gone, and then you're good till next spring. Until next spring? Yep. Really? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's the way it works. We don't want to do a lot of fertilizing as the, because remember now the days are starting to get shorter. Right. Plants are starting to recognize that, you know, I mean, I hate to use the W word, but it is coming. So Uh plants will slow down naturally and normally whether we like it or not. And fertilizer messes up the, uh, the physiology of what they naturally want to do. Fertilizer tells them to grow when they naturally are, are starting to hunker down. So it's oh. okay to fertilize now. It, it's the end of July, but you know, we won't do any more fertilizing until next spring or summer.
6: Really? This 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 fertilizer I have here is going to last me for the next 30 years? <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> It'll be a museum piece. You'll be you'll be auctioning it on Kijiji in 20 years. It'll be worth a lot of money. <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> okay, Jerry, thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Yeah, that's a It's
2: true, eh, When you do such a tiny bit of fertilizer, yeah. it can last you for the rest of your I, life. I think
3: I'm starting to go into a dormant stage, actually. I'm slowing down, you know. Yeah, well, w which w is you're approaching.
2: Leaves start dropping. That we'll <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll call call 911.
3: If if it drops, we're in big trouble. (laughs) Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a break here and come back and talk to the rest of our listeners here at AM 740. Let me just give you the phone numbers again, okay, to reach Charlie here in the Garden Show, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Back in just a couple of moments.
1: (laughs) Don't change the radio station just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
3: And uh, Frank Proctor here along for the fun ride. And it always is fun working with you, Charlie, on these uh, Saturday mornings. Gardening uh, w- is fun. And and a quick apology to uh, Rochelle, who was on the line, and uh, there was a technical glitch, and you're... Somewhere, you're floating out there in, <laughs> in the ether somewhere. Please try and call back, Rochelle, with our apologies, okay? okay and James we'll try and get will to you. bump yeah. you to the top of the queue. Exactement. Well, we have Tina online from Richmond Hill, and as I understand it, a first-time caller. Do we have uh, the, bar- the wind chimes? Or, yeah, we do. There they are. Hello, and good morning, Tina. Oh,
2: good morning. <laughs> Welcome, Tina. Thank you. Uh I have two issues. The mm-hmm. first one is um a crab
4: apple tree in my backyard
3: just uh, Tina, may I interrupt and just say you have one question you can ask, so take your choice of your questions is the is what you're starting with what you really want to do?
4: okay, uh, well, let's stick with a crab apple all right let. that's fine okay. uh yes it, uh it'sshed well there's a lot of leaves that are just falling off like the leaves are just going dry and just mm-hmm. falling off and yeah that the trunk doesn't look good. It looks like mm, it's very brown and crackly.
2: Mm. Tell me, did it suffer any damage during the wind storm, the ice storm?
4: No, it didn't. Oh, that's
2: good. So, how old would you? How big is the tree, roughly?
4: Uh, it's very, it's very large. The, 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 uh, the tree about twenty years old.
2: Okay, and has it ever been pruned?
4: Never. Okay. Yes, it has
2: been. Okay, but not much. Not much. Right. So, crab apples. Now, the the bark is very flaky and gray and rough. So that is probably fairly normal. But the leaves. Dropping early, which is what they're doing now, is as a result of a fungal disease. so the older varieties of crab apples, I mean, we love our crab apples, mm-hmm. right? Beautiful flowers in the spring. springtime, yeah. And, of course, the little, you know, baby fruit, the crab apples that the birds love. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's a nice, good-looking tree year-round. But some of the older varieties are very susceptible to fungal diseases. When we live through a spring and summer like we've had so far with very high levels of moisture, high levels of humidity, we find that the fungal diseases really, really thrive. And that's what's going on. Those leaves are dropping early early because they are infested so your job right now is to practice good garden hygiene so what you need to do is every chance you get whether it's once a week or more often get out with a rake rake up those leaves that are dropping early and either remove like bag them and take them off the property or make sure that you're running them over with the lawnmower so you're breaking them up so that they will decompose quickly you do not want those leaves hanging around in your yard until next spring Because that will be a source of an inoculant for more fungal diseases next spring. I would hire an arborist, if I were you, a certified arborist, to come in and do some proper trimming on that plant to open the canopy, uh, allow more air and sun to penetrate between the branches, you'll find that will lower the incidence of fungus really thriving. You'll also, after you've got the, the arborist cleaning it up, if you want to, a good idea next spring would be to spray with a dormant spray, which is the lime sulfur and oil spray when the plant is dormant. So March, April, uh, May, depending on the weather, uh, you spray, and that will also very much lower your incidence of the fungal disease. Ultimately, the whole plant will be much healthier and happier for all this, and it will be a tree that will live for many, many years, and will you know do good things mm-hmm. for your property and add to the value of your home.
4: Okay, so do I just get this at uh, a local store?
2: Dormant spray. Uh-huh. Y- yep, you pick that up at any of the garden centers or the home centers that have garden sections in the spring, and it is uh, it's a little kit. It's called a dormant spray kit. Comes with two bottles, two separate items. Uh, good information, and you'll need a, a, a sprayer. Typically, I'll use a hose end sprayer, something that goes on the hose, and you follow the directions in terms of the little reservoir, putting the different oil and lime sulfur and water into that reservoir. Crank on your hose and If you've got good pressure on your hose, you can spray, you know, 20 feet high, no problem. Okay, great. Okay. Good stuff. Thank T- you, yeah, Tina. Thank you so Tina, very much.
3: Uh, what I'd like you to do, Tina, is uh-huh. immediately after you hang up, redial because we'd love to hear from you on a second call. Okay? <laughs> so the little yeah, you can call in as many times as you want, but only one question per call. Sorry to have to do that, but that,
4: that's
3: okay. That, that's only fair to everybody. Else.
4: Okay, thank you thanks. For so all your right, call. Tina.
3: Good. We might hear from Tina again. You never know. the end of the show, exactement. Now we have Mary on the line from Etobicoke. Good morning, Mary.
4: Hi, Charlie. Good morning. Charlie, I have a beautiful indoor fern that I gladly tolerate the mess that (laughs) it leaves all the time. Uh But this year at Canada Blooms, I saw one called a new wave. Quite small, thicker leaf, but still very pretty. Mm -hmm. Question,
5: if I buy one of those and put it in a larger pot, will it
2: grow larger or do I have to get several to get my nice big fern? Mm, Good question. Uh, That I would need to double check. I believe, yes, it will. But remember, you buy a little fern in a four-inch pot. It's a little baby fern. You don't just put it into a 10-inch pot and hope that it fills in quickly. Oh, it's a gradual. It's a gradual thing, because if you do take that little baby fern and put it in a big 10-inch pot, it will go into shock, and it will slow right down, and it'll do the opposite of what you want it to do. Okay. Could I Google and see if this type of a fern um, does grow larger? You could, if you wish, and I can as well. So there you go. Let's see who can Google faster. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> okay, then, I just... Because, you know, they're $10 each, and if I need the it, three or four, whatever. Yeah. Okay, then, Very good. thanks for trying. Well, thanks for
2: your call. All righty. bye
3: Thank you, and, and uh, by all means, call again, as I advise uh, <laughs> Tina. And look at this, Rochelle, um, whom we accidentally bumped off the line, has rejoined us. Good morning, Rochelle.
7: Good morning, good morning. Good <laughs> morning. And thank you for... Uh, For bumping me up, I don't mind in the least, and I get my thumb exercise. Very good. (laughs) Uh, Redialing. (laughs) So um, now the hydrangea, Mm
3: -hmm.
7: I'm very bad at pruning, and so I don't prune, but I notice that my neighbor's oak leaf hydrangea is also not showing any signs of a flower bud at all. Now, if I should have pruned, is it too late to prune now? I don't really see where I could prune. The, the last year's flowers are virtually gone.
2: Tell me what... Okay, so this is a hydrangea that had flowers last year. Were the flowers pink or white or blue? Uh,
7: they were white, but I do know it's not the snowball because the snowball is blooming, even without my pruning huh. ministration.
2: Okay. So they were white. And were they round flowers or were they yeah. slightly conical?
7: No, no, they're round. Oh, oh, hang on. Uh, no, maybe they are slightly conical.
2: Yeah, I bet they are. Because if you've got... because No, no, this is the tricky thing with hydrangeas. <clears throat> There's two major species of hydrangea that we grow in our gardens. The one is the one with the round flowers. They have been blooming like crazy the last few weeks. There's white ones and then there's pink and there's blue, but it's called a macrophylla, which means large leafed hydrangea. And they get those ball type flowers and they typically grow, you know, maybe as much as a meter tall and wide. Uh, The only pruning we, we do with those is early in the spring, just. Get out your chainsaw and cut them right down to about six or eight inches tall. That's it. Oh, my. That's the round ones. But the conical ones, that's your paniculata or the PG-type hydrangeas. They bloom later in in the summer. So the fact that you're not seeing any blooms is no reason to panic yet. They will set buds, or they should set buds. They do need full sun. Uh, pruning we do for shape more than anything they can get very very big these shrubs whether it's a tree form or a a shrub form they get very big and very top heavy Uh, limelight hydrangea little lime all those ones that have a, a bit of a well there's so many new varieties nowadays there's great ones um Twist and Shout is one of my favorites. So, there's all kinds of really great varieties of hydrangeas out there now. And the pruning we do on those is not that chainsaw to eight inches tall in the spring, but more selective pruning in the spring, just for shape, just recognizing that we don't want the plants to have, break branches with all the heavy flowering that they typically do. So, don't panic yet.
7: Okay, so the fact that my neighbor's oak leaf hydrangea doesn't also show, uh, also doesn't show. Any signs of a flower bud at all? Mm -hmm. That's not anything to do with hydrangeas this year or the heavy frost?
2: Well, actually, it's an interesting point. Okay, so an oak leaf hydrangea is another kind of hydrangea. And Mm -hmm. the oak leaves took a serious hit because they're not a super hardy plant. They took a real hit this past winter. It was so cold for so long that most of the oak leaf hydrangeas had a lot of dieback. So mine in my garden flowered like crazy last year. It was a beautiful plant. But... A lot of dieback, a lot of new growth from the root this year. So it's a much smaller plant. And you're absolutely right. There's no sign of flowering, and I'm not surprised. However, okay. my endless summer hydrangea, which is one of those round macrophyllas, mm-hmm. is covered in blooms this year and didn't have any blooms last year. <laughs> <So> Go figure. <Goldfinger. laughs> I think what we can say about hydrangeas is they are not consistent. <laughs> if they're going to bloom one year, they probably aren't going to bloom the next year. <laughs> so oh, so really? don't so worry. they're a
7: biennial kind of thing? Yeah.
2: Well, I think that they tend to do that or maybe weather uh, works in that to, make, to cons- make that happen. But for many plants, a lot of energy goes into flower bud formation, so they can't Do it every year. It's just too much. So it does tend to be a bit cyclical.
7: Okay. Okay. I wasn't trying to sneak a second question in. (laughs) I just just compare with my neighbor's uh, Uh, oak leaf, which is beautiful. Yes. And I couldn't afford one, so I had to get the... the, the regular. Anyhow, I won't hold you up. Thank Thanks, Rochelle. very Michelle. much
2: for your time. Yeah, I've thank been you. holding Frank back. He's doing very well here. He's ch- chomping at I the I didn't bit have here. my
3: ticket booked out on you at all. <laughs> very nice, Rochelle. Okay. Well,
7: thank
3: you. Have Join us again, again will you? Thanks for the call. Boy, a hydrangea seems to be the order of the day here. We have a caller who is, by the way, a first-time caller, so get those wind chimes ready, James. Uh, I hope you maybe you've answered all the questions yeah, that maybe. she has. Lydia uh, calling in. Good morning, Lydia.
5: Good morning <laughs> Good morning Almost all the answers the, the <laughs> thing is yes, I have four five I mm-hmm. don't uh, <clears throat> five of them they blew just couple flowers the round pink mm-hmm. and it, they're all big big, quite big, but there's no, almost no flowers right and then we have another one that uh, the first year it bloom blue flowers Mm -hmm. we put them in ground and now the three years we got no flower and the plant is about a meter tall right
2: okay okay do you want me to tell you what what i would suggest you do yes okay number one you live in brampton you are unlikely to have blue flowers in the future okay blue flowers come from a pH in the soil that is lower than neutral, so an acidic pH. In the pot, when they grow those hydrangeas and sell them in the stores, we'll see them blues and purples and pinks, and it's all connected to the pH of the soil or the pH of the water that they're using to water the plants with. Mm -hmm. Our natural soils in Ontario... <clears throat> Excuse me, are limestone based and therefore are above neutral. They tend to be on the alkali side. Okay. So typically, we don't maintain those blue flowers very well. We get pink ones. The fact that you're seeing a lot of green growth and not a lot of flowering does go back to a bit of what we were just saying with your yes. shell. That you know, there's an up-down with the flowering of hydrangeas. But the other thing is, be very careful that you do not fertilize hydrangeas with a lot of nitrogen. So nitrogen okay. being the first number in the fertilizer. Um, that, you know, nitrogen feeds green growth when, we, when lawn fertilizer gets on the hydrangeas Or if we put a lot of min- composted manure into our gardens mm-hmm. We're putting a lot of nitrogen to, in, around the plants We get a lot of green leaves Mm -hmm. So be careful of that. So I wouldn't don't give up by any means. Remember, next year, cut them right down. If You're going to fertilize, fertilize with a flowering plant fertilizer. So high Mm -hmm. middle number. And uh, and yeah, just the other thing with hydrangeas, typically they like a fair amount of water. So they're pretty happy this year. (laughs) And that's why I think we're seeing them big. They're big and they're green because they're loving all this moisture.
5: Uh, so what about the, the f- fifth one that uh, I get no flower? Just the first year we got flower and now no flowers.
2: Right. So, again, I, I, would, I wouldn't panic. I would just treat them all as you will next spring to cut them down and cross your fingers that one year they'll all flower together. Okay. But they, you may find they're a bit sporadic. So you meantime. have to cut them down how much? The, the, whole, um... yep, the whole plant down to about six to eight inches tall, just right down in the spring. Yeah, okay. 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 Thank you very much for your help. Okay, Lydia. Our pleasure. Okay, thanks.
3: Thank you for joining us, first-time caller. Yes. Nice to hear. And uh, we have to take a little break right now, but uh, we'll come back, and I'll remind you of the phone numbers. Here in Toronto, it's 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to Charlie Dobbin, The Garden Show, from AM 740.
1: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size There's more going on in the garden than we do realize And should little creatures become a big problem Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740
3: Gee, you know, uh, with that little uh, bit of information came in our, Our intro to the show again when little cre- uh, things become a problem, and <laughs> Charlie looked right at me, just at that particular point.
2: You're not that little.
3: Well, uh, maybe maybe I'm too sensitive. Maybe. Well, <laughs> anyway, before
2: hmm? we go to our next caller, oh, just yes. want to go backwards for yes. one second. Mary in Etobicoke mm-hmm. called about the new wave fern. Yeah. And I was just drawing a blank. That's the esplenium. Uh, it's a bird's nest fern, and they were being sold and uh, shown in a big way at Canada Blooms this year at the Pick Ontario booth. There was actually, because it's a funny connection, I know it's Elvis Festival up in Collingwood. Well, that Pick Ontario booth, they always bring in the number he's the number two Elvis, I think in the mm-hmm. world, he does a bunch of, he's a lo- loves plants and he does selling of plants for them at the, I Canada blooms. And then, you know, sings on the side and he looks totally like Elvis. Anyway, he was, he was, you know, showing off these plants, bottom line, going back to the, the new wave fern, uh, You don't need to buy a bunch of them, Mary. Just buy one. If it is in a little tiny pot, just grow it up till it's big enough to be as big and fat and juicy as you want it to be because it will. I wouldn't bang a whole bunch of them into a big pot. Just do one. But maybe the thing to do is just get as big a one as you possibly can. Uh, You know, like the Sheridans, the the better garden centers will have the bigger plants. And if they don't have it, ask them to get you one, right? They just have small ones. They can order you in a big one. All right, don't, don't buy a tiny one if you want a big one.
3: All righty, good. There we go. Hey, Maureen out in Scarborough, welcome to the show.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show.
5: I have called before about roses, but mm-hmm. um, the other day I'm looking at the roses in my front garden, and I've never seen these bugs before. They are about, um, oh, they're a little over a centimeter in size. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. a centimeter in
2: size. And they are a copper mm-hmm. color. And this is the first time you've ever seen them, huh? Yeah. Ja- I got them at the top of a rose
5: bush. I have about seven or eight of them sitting on the leaves, eating away. Oh,
2: course. yeah. No, they're horrible. They're, those are Japanese beetles. Okay. So if you can, you want to look that up, Japanese beetles were mm-hmm. right in the, the absolute peak of their flight and oh, eating. Okay. That's what they do. They chow down. Oh, they right. love roses, but they'll also eat the foliage of many plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will eat, obviously, the foliage and flowers of roses best mode of defense believe it or not is an empty tuna fish can with a little bit of water and a drop of oil and you go out and you just start picking them off they're they're very easy to pick off and drop them into your little tuna fish can and they will you know drown very quickly uh if you and they kind of wiggle in your fingers but but don't drop them because then they'll just fly away and land somewhere else and start oh, chewing okay so that's mm-hmm. the whole trick is I mean you can pick and squish if you don't mind mm. squishing beetles I'm not a big fan of squishing beetles in my fingers no. so I usually just drown them in the in the tuna fish can <laughs> um,
5: okay the, great.
2: yeah and it won't be for much longer like you will only see them for the next probably week to ten days mm-hmm. and then they will pupate so they will turn into a little cocoon and we won't see them again until next year
5: okay okay great. so thanks stay so. on
2: it <laughs> good luck with it
5: yeah have thanks have a nice for weekend. your Love you. thank you very
3: much Brooke. And uh, here we are on the Garden Show, broadcasting live and direct from the Zoomerplex Z- yes. in Liberty Village. That's actually where we are. Beautiful day. The
2: sun is coming out. Yeah, yeah. It is. And There's that's a nice God.
3: welcome to uh, Lewis, I believe it is, uh, in Toronto. Good morning.
4: Good morning. Good morning. Actually, my name is Lois. Lo- there we Lois. Lois. I just okay. don't give my full name because it's confusing. Lois Lewis.
3: Okay. Oh, my goodness.
4: Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm calling about McCorkscrew Hazel. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have leaves at the bottom. It's, it's quite a large one, actually. It's about five, six feet tall. Uh, I didn't have any leaves at the bottom this spring. It was mostly all at the top. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll trim it back because the top was getting way too big for the bottom. And mm-hmm. then I went to the nursery where I bought it and was saying that I had this problem. And, uh, oh, he said, you should be careful pruning those bushes. They're very finickety. Yeah. Now I find that... I've got a disease on it, I'm sure. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: It wasn't just the snow that was killing. There's these black spots on the stem.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. And
4: Uh, when I Googled, I found something about a
2: disease called hazel something, hmm. a a virus of some kind. There are a number of diseases, because remember, hazel is like a filbert. It is a nut. Uh, so the fruit, of course, is something that's very edible for all very of us. <laughs> and uh, the corkscrew, of course, was is just the fact that it grows and looks like a corkscrew. So it's a very sculptural plant. And it's a very popular plant, particularly in the winter, because it looks really cool when it drops I love on its it. leaves. I
4: love it. I'm very disappointed <clears throat> there's
2: something wrong with it. Well, it's uh, in my experience, it's a very rare corkscrew hazel that lasts beyond 20 years. Soon as 20 they, years? Yep. Well, I haven't had it near that. No, but I'm just saying, there's, it, it, they will just up and die by the time they hit 20 years, and any time up till then, they just are not a long-term plant. Oh dear, uh, they are susceptible to variations in weather. They definitely are susceptible to some diseases. There's no question. Uh, what I would do if you're seeing some black spots, how how does it look right now? Do you have green leaves on this plant? The, yes.
4: Yes, I have a lot on the very top. I'd Mm -hmm. say maybe the top third. Mm -hmm. But the bottom, they're very sparse. Right. The leaves. a
2: few, but not a lot. Okay. So what you could do, I mean, you have two options. One would be to take a photograph and take the photograph into your garden center and and speak to, you know, if you've got somebody there that you trust and and knows their plants. Right. Ask their advice. It sounds to me like you do not want the plant to be super top-heavy. So if all the new growth, which so often happens is up on the tips. You may need to do a little little bit of careful pruning and thinning just to balance the top and the bottom. That's, that's what I was doing because yeah. I heard you do Saturdays
4: ago about the mm-hmm. pruning and I thought, oh, I'll just do what I'm told, a little bit of pruning.
2: Yeah.
4: And, jo- and then I mentioned that to my garden people and they... They just said it's a finicky
2: plant. Well, it is. And I'm just thinking that perhaps if when you did a little bit of pruning, if you end up with a piece, you know, if you end up cutting off a piece that has that evidence of the black spots, you could bag that up carefully into a sealed bag and take that with you. And they may have something there. I mean... If it's a fungal disease and, you know, again, it's been a really good summer for fungal diseases with all the moisture, they may offer you something called serenade or a garden sulfur, which will help to control the disease. It will right. not eradicate; it will only control, and that's the problem with right. fungal diseases. You can't really cure them; you can uh-huh. only control them. And so, it, and again, you might be a very good um, candidate to use the uh, dormant spray that we were talking about with I Tina have used earlier. I put that
4: on my roses. Yes. yeah Yep.
2: So next spring, when you're pulling out the dormant spray for the roses spray the hazelnut as well uh, okay okay because that is a plant that can really benefit from a from a spray uh, when it's dormant all right that's great news all thank, right, you, Lewis. That. All righty, thank you lois all righty
3: thank you very much you betcha thank you for uh, joining us here on the garden show and we're going to return to our callers in just a moment here am 740
4: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia,
2: lavender and
4: lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams.
1: You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
3: Hey, and Frank Proctor, the undergardener or the uh, sous chef of the garden, welcoming Rochelle to the line. And T.O., good morning.
7: Good morning, and I wanted to say first of all that I don't have a redial function on my phone. Oh, oh, but you got what it. I, what I do is I I wait until a new caller uh, comes on the line, and and that's just a, a little uh, something I do, a little strategy.
3: That's your strategizing to get oh, on the show. Oh, Very and
2: good. You just shared that with okay. everybody.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rochelle. Okay, your question for Charlie
7: is about the wisteria that I have coming over the fence every year and this year I didn't prune the uh, I didn't I didn't prune the life out of it mm-hmm. because you know with wisteria at least the wisteria that comes over my fence if if, if you don't pull them pull them and and snip them mm-hmm. back they take over the whole yard oh yeah so I did not do that this year and I'm wondering if as a result I didn't get any blooms peeking
2: over. Mm, This is growing from your neighbor's house, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did they appear to have a lot of blooms on their side? I didn't didn't look, and I haven't
7: had an an opportunity to ask him yet.
2: Okay, but you know what? No worries. Um, You can still prune now, and you should, if you haven't pruned yet. Wisteria take more than... Many plants we can get by once a year doing a real pruning, but Wisteria is one of those plants that... Twice, three times a year is the actual schedule of pruning to keep them under control and to maximize the blooms. So, wherever you see those big long shoots shooting out, you know, the ones that look like they're going to grow overnight and come in the window and do whatever. Yeah, Yeah. grab you in your sleep. (laughs) Just uh, just get out there with your machete today and take them off <laughs> okay okay <thank laughs> them you. Off.
7: And, I, and I don't think I'll get blooms this year no July.
2: no we're done the blooming would have happened in late June if you were going to see blooms
7: yeah Okay, thank you so so much again. Thank
3: you, Rochelle. Uh, Maybe we've got time for one more caller, do you think? Uh, Sure. A little town uh, just near St. Catharines, Virgil, they uh, always Mm. have a great fall, I think it's in the fall, uh, Virgil Stampede. And I wonder (laughs) if Erica is aware of that. She lives there. Well, we'll find out. Good morning, Erica.
4: Good morning. Morning. Yes. Stampede is on our radar every year. Hey, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, ever since our kids were small. They're all gone now, and, but they make sure that their, their kids come occasionally to see oh, the stampede. That's, that's great.
3: great. We have a very limited time here, so you want to shoot your question onions.
4: there? Uh, we've had very beautiful onions up to this point, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a community garden,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and so uh, the onions, all of a sudden the, the, the leaves, they started turning like a mottled brown, they were beautiful and green and standing up tall, and healthy. And the bulb is good, but this—what is this brown stuff? And they all, the leaves
2: just all kind of fall over. Have you tried digging up any of the onions since that started happening? I—I've uh, I've dug up one. Okay, and what did it look like? The, it's good. The bulb. Oh, okay, you know what? All that—those—the uh, garlic, the onions—will uh, very traditionally try to flower and if we remove the flowers then it's, it becomes a whole process of the bulbs fattening up and the greens dying back and us harvesting the bulbs at their maximum there are some onion maggots that can in, from the soil enter the bulb and tunnel and, and destroy what you're growing oh. the, the onions for and I, that's why I was just flashing on perhaps that was an indication there was something going on in the onions otherwise I wouldn't worry about it if you're trying to use them as green onions I would harvest them all if you're happy to leave some in the ground to just get bigger and, and become more of a cooking onion, leave them, and, and as those greens start to die down, you have two options. Like we said, one is harvest at that point once the greens are mostly died d- down, or leave them in the ground till next year because, of course, they'll still be there next year and they'll just keep growing. That's the amazing thing about onions. <laughs> so uh, so it's up to you on how you want to harvest them, but I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think it's probably perfectly normal.
4: But, but if there's a
2: maggots Oh, then you want to get them out of the ground as fast as possible and not grow onions in that spot again. Okay. Okay.
3: Thank See you back. very much for your call, Erica.
2: Okay, thank, thank you. you.
3: Have fun at the Virgil Stampede. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really great, to a little fair. Yeah. I
2: know, I bet it is. There's some great fall fairs. Oh,
3: and Harvest uh, I wish stuff. you hadn't said that, but you know, we're approaching that time and when no, we'll start advertising them and talking about them. bring that up. And we've got just about 30 seconds left here. So,
2: what's on your uh, plate for the rest of the day?
3: Well, uh, I have to go pick up some milk. We just ran out of milk this morning. I was oh, making a coffee. Thanks for sharing. So, write that down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's my little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to-do list. And um, I'll be back at 2.30. Lots yes. of fun. And we we'll are talking to Norm yeah, uh, who Edwards, who's in Collingwood. Yeah, the Elvis Festival, of course, on in Collingwood.
2: He'll uh, be calling in. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Well, I myself have got some work to do in the garden, so I'm uh, heading home. Uh, hopefully the rain will hold off and I can get some work done. And in the meantime, thank you, Frank, as usual. Thank you, Charlie. For being the best sous chef. Thank you, James tough day technically what can you do but thanks for trying and thanks to the great callers see y'all next week
0: this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740